Ancient Sturtlefish Venus Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. I desperately want to know what a sturtlefish is. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about it. All right. Um, anyway, my first story is world news. This is from NBC. Ancient stone tools suggest first people arrived in America earlier than thought. Really? Wait. No, I lied. Okay. I <laughs> it suggests I that they say that. That's just like a, I know. a reaction that I do to things. And it's it like suggests that they came later somehow. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> earlier. Uh, pieces of limestone from a cave in Mexico may be the oldest human tools ever found in the Americas Ooh. and suggest people first entered the continent up to 33,000 years ago. Wow. Which is much earlier than previously thought. Hmm. The findings published Wednesday in two papers in the, na- in the journal Nature, uh, which include the discovery of the stone tools, challenge the idea that people first entered North America on a land bridge between Siberia and Alaska. Precise archaeological dating of early human sites throughout North America, including the cave in Mexico where they found these tools, suggests instead that they may have entered along the Pacific coast, according to their research. The tools were found in the deepest layer of cent- sediment they excavated, which dates from up to 33,000 years ago, long before the last ice age, which occurred between 26,000 and 19,000 years ago. So this is like pre-ice age people in North America. The commonly accepted time for the first, uh, for the arrival of the first people in North America is about 16,000 years uh, ago. (laughs) That's implied. (laughs) Uh, and recent studies estimate it happened up to 18,000 years ago. However, these latest discoveries pushed the date back by more than 10,000 years. Uh, so this is a pretty like bold claim, I guess, from these people. Um, anthropologist uh, Matthew Delaurier, I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce that or if I'm making it more French than it actually is, um, from the California, um, from California State in, uh, University, San Bernardino, who was not involved in the studies, said that they pushed the boundaries of knowledge about the earliest human arrival in the Americas. He's kind of skeptical, hmm. um, it sounds like. Uh, he questioned how ancient people who had been in the Americas for more than 25,000 years could have remained archaeologically invisible for over 10,000 years. Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. It's a really good um, point. And he said this, and because I'm pretending he's French. (laughs) Archaeologists in the Americas have either been doing things very wrong for the last 90 years, or we have an anomaly that must be accounted for, he said. So. (laughs) Wonderful. um, Yeah, I think that's kind of a valid point. Like, if we haven't found these in the last 90 years, like, what have we been doing? How have we not discovered this? Because surely we've looked at sediment this old before and just never found anything. Or just found, yeah, just in general evidence of those people at that time. Right. In somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Unless they were just like a real flash in the pan, like they were there and then suddenly just vanished. And I mean, I guess that's also possible. It's possible. They were just archaeologically insignificant, <laughs> which sounds like a horrible yeah. thing to say about people, but you know. Um, we're talking yeah. science here. So, yeah, I, I'm not really wow, sure. it's a mystery. Sounds like they're not 
some people aren't fully convinced that this is what it means, but hmm. it seems like pretty solid evidence. I guess they just need to find more. Yeah, I think it, it seems like it's just one of those things, like, there's now one data point. Mm-hmm. Well, can you really, how many conclusions can you make off of one piece yeah. of data? If they find more evidence, then it makes it stronger that they can Yeah, and they kind of that. implied in the article, too, that, like, m- maybe archaeologists aren't traditionally digging this far. Because oh. of, like, previously established, like, they're looking for things where they believe humans already existed. So maybe they, oh, there's a bias to not, to, to not dig that deep. Yeah. Like, literally. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> and figuratively. <laughs> literally but, and figuratively. Uh, uh, that is a good point. I could totally see that being true as well. So maybe we've Very been. Very interesting. Maybe they've, there's been people in the Americas for longer than we thought. Maybe. Maybe. My first story is animal news. This is from CNN.com. A group of Hungarian aquatic scientists were looking for ways to save the fish responsible for some of the world's finest caviar from extinction. Instead, they made a frankenfish by accident. The accidental hybrid, a fish that's part American paddlefish and part Russian sturgeon, could benefit the fish farming industry's carbon footprint, though they haven't been though these fish haven't been formally named yet. Fellow fishery researchers have given these new fish the moniker Sturtlefish. It's a very good name. I know. I just want them to be named that. Sturtlefish. Sturtlefish. So basically, these researchers accidentally made a hybrid fish that they thought was impossible. Oops. Oops. Um, Oops. We accidentally a fish. <laughs> Uh, this fit, uh, the study <laughs> appeared this month in the scientific journal Genes. <laughs> the initial goal of the study was to encourage the critically endangered Russian sturgeon to reproduce asexually. Uh, the Russian sturgeon is considered extremely valuable for its roe, or eggs. Both the sturgeon and the American paddlefish are threatened by shrinking habitats and overfishing. Um, and while the caviar that comes from sturgeons is a delicacy, the fish themselves are also just in general, rare in Russian waters. And so that's why these researchers, um, who all happen to be from Hungary, wanted to encourage the sturgeon to reproduce through gynogenesis, which uses the treated sperm of another species, in this case the paddlefish, to coax the specimen's eggs to develop. But in gynogenesis, the DNA of the sperm specimen isn't supposed to transfer to the offspring. So it's like, oh. it's supposed to like... So basically, I think it, what it is is like a... There's like... St- sperm around it's like a fertilization process with the fish eggs but Mm -hmm. it's not like normal reproduction or whatever but apparently in this case like they actually did reproduce normally and like the researchers weren't expecting that to happen so then all these like they made a hybrid fish (laughs) that no one knew was a thing now what are are its eggs a delicacy now (laughs) um that was kind of alluded to in the article that like they probably would be but it wasn't actually confirmed like i don't know if they they didn't specifically say is that. Is the paddlefish also like famous for its row? It is actually. They did oh. say that. So that it, it has should good be like caviar. super caviar, right? Uh, so some fun facts. Um, this was the first time these two have ever hybridized successfully in captivity. We kind of we knew that, but people have actually tried to hybridize the sturgeon. I think with maybe some other types of paddlefish before or something like some people have tried something similar to this and it didn't, yeah. that didn't work. They just weren't that didn't feeling happen. it. So, they weren't feeling a connection. So they there just was thought no it spark. wasn't possible. 
that's probably what it was. Um, also, <laughs> the sturgeon is not that genetically different from the paddlefish. They belong to the same animal group, Acipeniceriformes. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know several, personally. <laughs> also, um, I mentioned earlier about the possibility of these fish uh, reducing a carbon footprint of the fishing industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the way that they think this could happen is because this new fish, again, they said they alluded to that it probably the caviar from this or that the roe could also be good or whatever. But the way that these fish feed is more like natural, like they just eat like stuff in their habitat instead of um, having to like be fed. And I guess they're saying that that would just be oh. a much more sustained, like if they wanted to farm this type of fish, that would be more sustainable than mm-hmm. farming a sturgeon for that hmm. reason. That makes so. sense. Hmm. Yeah, so, so that was interesting. So I think now the the sturtle fish, it's it's the next big thing. Yep, it's uh, the next the next big thing, and they're just gonna keep trying to <laughs> see like, oh, what can we do with caviar. this now? And there's some photos of it. Like, there's different. Okay, so it wasn't like just only one form of the hybrid. Like, different one different fishes had like different amounts of genes from each one, and they actually oh, looked wild. like different. Like, so here is. I believe this photo was four different hybrid fish, that they were all hybrids. Those all look like different species of fish. Yes. Like, the top two look pretty similar, but then it's, like, very different, the bottom two, right? Then the third one is, like, okay, you're, like, the weird cousin, and then the last one's, like, like distantly related. (laughs) Like, also a fish, and that's about it. Yeah, so I don't know. That's this is brand new. So I'm sure they're going to be like, oh, let's investigate this further and see, yes. see more mm, about this. Yes. What are these new fish, new animals? Which variety of of sturtle fish makes the best caviar? Yeah, that's probably what they'll investigate. My next story is space news. This is from CNET. Active Venus volcanoes make super hot planet even more unwelcoming. Yeah, so Venus is not a great planet to live on. I don't know if you knew that already. I think, I think you I knew probably that. you probably did. Uh, it has a toxic atmosphere, and it's hot enough to melt lead just by having lead outside. Out. Yeah, just they having just lead melt. out. Yeah, don't take your lead out on Venus. Okay. Uh, it's the second planet from the sun, which hopefully you know, and <laughs> it looks to be home to at least a few dozen active volcanoes. <laughs> also, fun. So, uh, this is the first time, uh, oh, this is Laurent Montesi, who I'm probably butchering their name. I think they might also be French. Uh, <laughs> geology professor at the University of Maryland. They said this in a release. I'm not going to do the voice. This is the first time we're able to point to specific structures and say, look, this is not an ancient volcano, but one that is active today. Dormant, perhaps, but not dead. This study significantly changes the view of Venus from a mostly inactive planet to one whose interior is still churning and can feed many active volcanoes. Uh, Montesi is the co-author of a new paper published Monday in Nature Geoscience identifying 37 recently active volcano structures on Venus. Hmm. Um, Scientists have known there is evidence of volcanic activity on Venus for a while, but it was thought that it was probably the remnants of ancient activity. Like, there is evidence of dead volcanoes essentially and they're like no 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 there's actually quite a few still gotcha. still going um 
Montezian colleagues used 3D models of Venetian uh, subsurface activity to look at the features on the surface of the planet in a new way, helping them to identify potentially active hotspots. Um, so yeah, that was like their method was looking at 3D models of its surface. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so if you want to go to Venus, don't. If there was a resort on Venus, yeah. would you go to it? No, absolutely not. It sounds <laughs> it sounds awful. Are you kidding? <laughs> What if some salesman assured you it was safe? No, it's still hot. <laughs> they're not going to make it not. They're not going to make it not super hot, right? Yeah, it would just be like I sweat too much no in way. eighty degree weather. I'm not about to go to a planet that can melt lead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. It just it doesn't really sound. Fun, and all, so. not to mention the toxic atmosphere. <laughs> and oh, by the way, volcanoes just there. Yeah, it's like just you some could volcanoes. see volcanoes on Earth, you know? Right. Yeah, if Which I want to the, see a volcano. That's also kind of dangerous. So a little like, bit, yeah. Depending on what you're doing. But. Right. But at least with the volcano on Earth, I know I have a safe spot to retreat to. Right. And I'm not going to, like, retreat into another volcano. Into another, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So you wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. Yeah. I wouldn't go. My next story is food news. This is from usatoday.com. The headline is, White Castle to test out Flippy Kitchen Robot to cut down on human contact with food. Wait. Is, <laughs> the robot's actually is, named Flippy. Okay, I was going to say, is Flippy an adjective in this case? Because I feel like, I don't know if USA Today is like the most well-known for their writing. But that seems like... <laughs> no, that's named that. Okay, that's, that seemed like a stretch even for them. Yeah, um... White Castle has announced a partnership with the artificial intelligence firm Miso Robotics this week. Under the collaboration, White Castle will deploy Flippy, a hamburger flipping robot, later this year. The idea is to reduce human contact with food during the cooking process. The development will put autonomous frying to work for enhanced production speeds, improved labor allocation, and an added layer of health and safety in the cooking process, the burger chain said. The restaurant didn't address how many workers could be displaced by robots, though it did say that team members can be redeployed to more customer experience-driven tasks. Uh, White Castle expects to deploy at least one robot this fall. If successful, the brand will expand its use of Flippy. <laughs> and actually, the <laughs> the article actually mentioned that there's like Flippy is like the original version of this robot this company made, and the new one that White Castle is going to use is actually called Flippy Roar, like. R-O-A-R, which I'm sure stands for something, but I don't know what. It's called Flippy Roar. Flippy Roar? Yeah. Okay. And this is kind of what it looks like. It's just a giant arm Mm -hmm. that supposedly is going to be able to flip a burger. Yeah. seems like there's a lot of robots now that are just giant arms. It's kind of a a common look for them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's really, it's in fashion is what I'm saying. (laughs) It's in vogue. To just be a a a giant arm. Giant arm. Yeah. Okay, you know what we should be for Halloween this year? Giant Giant arms. arms. (laughs) (laughs) That we can wave at all the people we're not coming into socially, like, coming to within six feet of. (laughs) You just, like, wiggle your body and it's, like, waving. I actually kind of like this idea. Being just a giant arm for Halloween. Let's remember that. Um, That's interesting they brought up the whole, like, safety aspect of it. Because I hadn't really considered robots replacing people in food as, like, a safety thing until, you know, everything. Yeah. So 
that's kind of an interesting selling point now. I feel like it's like the fewer people involved in getting the food to you, probably the better. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that companies that make robots like this can sell their robots to the food places being like, hey, you can market yourself as being. Right. We're not marketing people, but like you can have that one for free. My next story is dinosaur news. This is from Anchorage Daily News. Ooh. Paleontologists discover part of baby dinosaur jawbone in Arctic Alaska. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. I don't really think of dinosaurs being up there, but yeah, I, apparently they can be now. <laughs> or they, I guess... <laughs> they're, now they're allowed to be. After I'll this. read the article. They've been up there. <laughs> it's fine. Um, after years of searching Arctic Alaska... Scientists with Southern Methodist University in Dallas have discovered the fragment of a baby dinosaur's tiny jawbone, providing what they believe is a significant clue to the behavior of certain dinosaurs. Um, And the theory is here that some meat-eating dinosaurs, called dromaeosaurs, lived year-round in the Arctic, when previously we assumed kind of that they migrated like birds would today, um, because it would become like inhospitable in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, now they think they might have actually just lived there year-round, like they might have adapted. Hmm. Um, so decades ago, uh, scientists realized that birds might share a common ancestor with dromaeosaurs, and so that's what where they got the idea that they probably migrated, which seems like a little bit of a stretch, but they're the scientists, not me. Um, <laughs> today, most researchers assume that polar dromaeosaurs made the Arctic their home year-round because their relatively small sizes would make migration difficult. So this is already an assumption, but this is kind of an additional, like additional evidence of that assumption. Okay. Um, Dr. Anthony Fiorio and his team recently published their findings in PLOS One. PLOS One. Friend of the, friend of the show. Uh, (laughs) The presence, (laughs) the presence of this baby dinosaur also suggests that during the Cretaceous period, the Arctic was rich in prey enough to support families of these meat eating dinosaurs. So that's kind of what their study is, is positing is like, not only did they live there year round, but even in the winter, like even in the winter time, they would be like reproducing and making and like having families, and there was enough food in the in the Arctic area at that time to hmm. have a family. Um, which Interesting. Is kind of countered what they thought before. During the Cretaceous period, which occurred between about sixty six million and one hundred forty five million years ago, the Prince Creek Formation of northern Alaska was an open woodland filled with conifer trees and flowering plants. Hmm. The ancient Arctic was probably a little bit warmer than it is today, but there would have been mountains with peaks both high and cold enough to be topped with fields of snow. So it sounds like it was a little bit bit more hospitable than it would be today. Mm -hmm. Um, But there would still have also been snow, like it would have been cold enough. Uh, This area was once part of Beringia, the land bridge that stretched between present-day Asia and North America, which you may recall we talked about in my first story as well. (laughs) This is an unintentional unintentional connection about an unintentional connection. Um, (laughs) That's so good. That's uh, so good. uh, Anyway, the land bridge would have allowed dinosaurs to move freely between the continents. I think there's been lots of studies about how this is probably how dinosaurs spread yeah. between those areas. Uh, dinosaurs likely passed through parts of modern-day northern Alaska in their travels back and forth, and for a while this land was thought of as a dinosaur highway, hmm. which sounds pretty cool and pretty dangerous. If there was a resort in the dinosaur highway, <laughs> would you go? 
Uh, no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't, Alex. Yeah, these I wouldn't questions either. Are, Did we these learn questions anything are from Jurassic Park from the first one? Is that when you build a theme park based around real dinosaurs, bad mm-hmm. things happen? And when you build a highway based around real dinosaurs, even worse things are going to happen. Yeah, dinosaurs can't drive or ride motorcycles. <laughs> It'd be carnage. <laughs> You're right. I mean, what what were these people thinking? <laughs> yeah. What were these people that built the dinosaur highway thinking? <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next story is entertainment news. This is from CNN.com. And the headline is, Chris Evans sending Captain America's shield to little boy who saved sister from dog attack. This is a short one. Uh, The Captain America star, Chris Evans, which I just mentioned, sent a video message to Bridger Walker, six years old, who saved his four-year-old sister from a dog attack. Walker was badly injured, requiring a two-hour surgery and 90 stitches to his face. This is what Chris Evans said in a video. Captain America, I'm not going to try to do a voice here, but I I really should. (laughs) Do your best Chris Evans impression. Captain America here. (laughs) So I read your story. I saw what you did, and I'm sure you heard a lot of this over the last couple of days, but let me be the next one to tell you, pal, you're a hero. What you did was so brave, so selfless. Your sister is so lucky to have you as a big brother. Your parents must be so proud of you. I'm going to track down your address, and I'm going to send you an authentic Captain America shield, because, pal, you deserve it. That sounded threatening at the end there. I know. A little scary. I'm going to track down your address. I realized that as I was reading it, but yeah. find out where you live. I'm going to send you a present. (laughs) Um, When Walker's father asked him why he jumped in between his sister and the dog, he is said to have told them, if someone had to die, I thought it should be me. Oh, my God. This kid is six years old. That's not, that's, oh, I don't like that part. I mean, I think it's very brave, but it's still like. He was just like. Being brave, I think, yeah. you know, he's six, he's not, <laughs> you know. I don't know, he's maybe a little too wise in the ways of the world. I, <laughs> I don't I don't know. We've taught him too young. But uh, apparently Anne Hathaway, Mark uh, Ruffalo, Tom Holland, Hugh Jackman, Zachary Levi, the Russo brothers, and Robbie Amell, I don't know who that last person is. Oh, are among- I think he's the Arrow or something. Oh, the Arrow guy? The, in the Arrow Avengers? guy. <laughs> no, 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 that's... that's- <laughs> No, Some, no, no, I'm talking it? about the show The Arrow. Oh, yeah. Wait, I who think. plays the 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 Archer person in the Avengers? You know who I'm talking about? Do you know I know, who that is? I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I'm picturing his face. Yeah, right I'm now. Jeremy his face Renner. Too. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, all those people that I just mentioned have also reached out to this family. I guess not Jeremy. So they're Renner, getting though. like a bunch of <laughs> not Jeremy Renner. <laughs> not Jeremy Renner. He's not on the list. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to personally say, I think this is better than the situation where the kid took a car onto the highway and then started getting a bunch of like attention from, um, well, it wasn't really good celebrities, right? (laughs) Celebrity. Or like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like random people. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like the whole Avengers cast. Yeah. It was, it wasn't the cool celebrities. Yeah. But. Anyway. I should be careful who I say is the cool celebrities. I don't remember who was. I don't remember who that was. I honestly don't even remember who that was. That, yeah. But but anyway, this is a better reason to be recognized. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely. Think. So I just I thought this was cute. Yeah. Good for that kid. Yeah. That's exciting. He was really brave. I mean, wish Chris Evans would send me Captain America Shield, but you know whatever. 
All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Sturtlefish. Ready, set, go! Okay, I found this on UPI. New Jersey store seeks home for rare orange lobster. A rare orange lobster? This is what it looks like. It's pretty orange. Oh. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is that it kind of looks like a cooked one already, but it's not. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Because they're, they're usually brown. Gray they, they're like grayish, brownish. brownish. Yeah. I just realized that. I'm like, aren't they normally like an orangey nope. red? Only no, when they're not. cooked. <laughs> <laughs> like for a yeah. second, I was like, isn't it just like a light red? Oh, wait. No, it looks, like exa- wow. it looks like it was cooked, but it's. Yeah. It was just, that was how they got it. Uh, this wow. employee's at the Stop and Shop store in Tom's River. New Jersey, I guess. Yeah. Said they noticed one of the lobsters in a recent shipment had an orange coloration similar to that of its cooked brethren, but was still alive and well. Uh, the, grocery, uh, the grocery chain said the lobster is not for sale and officials are trying to find a suitable home for the rare crustacean. Um, I don't know why anyone would want a lobster as a pet. Um, oh, they've apparently been in contact with the Department of Agriculture and Natural Resources about potentially taking it in. Okay. Um, experts said the color is extremely uncommon, but it's unclear exactly how rare it is. Uh, Rick Whale, the director of Lobster Institute at the University of Maine. The director of Lobster, Lobster Institute. Institute. Should add that's it. going to, that's Ex- on our list. That's now. on the list of good job titles. Yeah. yeah. Um, he said unofficial estimates are in the range of one in a million. Although I have not seen a scientific assessment of the actual proportion they comprise of the wild population, but apparently they're pretty rare. So, well, I've never heard of it. So, if I've never heard of it, I've, then it's rare. then it's pretty rare. Because <laughs> I will have guys, lobster. guys, guys. Alex has heard of most things. And she hasn't heard I of this. I don't know if you guys know, knew this, but I've heard of things. So if I haven't yeah. heard of something, like it's it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if they're going to try to, like, breed it or something. Like, Yeah, make, make more, more orange lobsters. lobsters. <laughs> and then you can use them to play pranks on your friends because they'll, like, look like a cooked lobster. So you put it on their <laughs> like, plate. Put it on their plate and then, and then it moves. it's like, ah, and they're like, ah. Yeah. People would definitely do that to each other. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh-huh. Okay, I found a breaking news story on HuffPost.com. And the headline is, Big Boss Bear Bashes Down Door for Incredible Entrance into Cabin. They were trying a little hard with the title there. Yeah, they were trying. (laughs) Like, there's kind of a bunch of alliteration happening there um, on purpose. Anyway, this is insane. Like, it's basically a video. Okay, so these people had, like, a security camera footage or some some camera taking footage, and a bear literally goes up to their front door and bashes the door in. Like, it's a closed, wooden, closed door, and it just all of a sudden, boom! And it just, like, Just, like, no hesitation, open. just, like, I'm going in here? Well, we, we don't see the bear before the door gets bashed in, so oh, I don't know okay. if it, like, ran up to it or something. Yeah. But, like, it did something, bashed it open, there's, like, parts of the frame, like, fly off of it. And it just kind of walks in, and it's, like, sniffing around and stuff. Like, hey, what up? It's me, the bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess they weren't home when this happened, or nobody was there, because... Hmm. That's no one said anything like anyone was there, but they just got it on camera. Yeah. And um, someone called some, you know, animal authorities and they came and, like, removed it somehow. But and we don't know exactly what happened, but, like, that. Oh, good just, thing no one was the, there because that sounds 
terrifying. It honestly is. <laughs> You're yeah, just sitting in your living room and a bear just comes. It looks like a brown bear, bear too. Ooh. Because it in the video looks like that's what it is, like a kind of medium sized. So it's a big bear. Yeah. I'll show you a couple of, or I don't know, you can just watch the video and then we'll, we can cut that, I guess. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's a big bear. Yeah, it like bashed in their front door. That's it's really that's scary, enormous. actually. Probably if somebody had been there, I bet it would have, um, like, n- probably known people were there and maybe not tried to, like, go in there because bears normally try to avoid they're, humans. Yeah, they're so. usually scared of us. Um, as they should be. Um, I, I think my favorite part is it like knocked the door in and then kind of hung out at the door for a little bit, like as if it couldn't believe that that worked. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah, it was like, oh. Oh, man. Oh, I can go in here now. Guess I don't oh. know my own strength. <laughs> it's oh, bear. I don't know what they said. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that this happened in Lake Tahoe. I forget if I mentioned that or not, but that's where this happened. So, so yeah. If you... I would say lock your doors if you're in Lake Tahoe, but apparently it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you're in Lake Tahoe, you might want to get some like iron reinforcements for your front door. Or bear repellent. Or, or that. Both probably is the best. <laughs> or just follow whatever the local authorities say to do <laughs> in this situation, because I have no idea what yeah. you what, what should you do in this situation. We're not legally liable for whatever happens to you, so <laughs> All right, that's our show. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at, at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Uh, Paleontologists discover part of baby dinosaur jawbone in Arctic Alaska. Alaska. Nope, I'm going to say that again. Alaska. 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 I'm free Alaska.